Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. As a business owner, are you continually searching for less stress, more time freedom, and increased profits? Prosper for Business by Mackey might be the solution you've been looking for. Prosper for Business is both an executive coaching program and fractional CFO service designed to deliver exceptional results through increased education, visibility, and accountability. Prosper for Business graduate Jude Hemmen, CEO of Furlong Building Enterprises, said, The decision to work with Mackey was a life changer. They truly care about our success and give us the tools to do so. Working with the Mackey team also helped Julie Bach, owner of the Bach Group, see things in the business she hadn't seen before that led her to the business being more efficient, productive, and profitable. Does Prosper for Business sound like the right next step for your business? Visit MackeyAdvisors.com slash smallgiants. That's M-A-C-K-E-Y Advisors.com slash smallgiants to learn more. My guest today is Valerie Webster. Val is a wife, mother, and an entrepreneurial spirited leader who is driven and stands for the word opportunity. While finding her way to leadership through numbers, she has chosen the path of purpose-driven leadership focused on culture. As president of HealthWorks, a health and wellness enterprise, she is working to bring the eight dimensions of well-being to a current state, not just a future goal. Welcome, Val. Hey, welcome, Paul. Good to hear from you. Uh, it's so great to have you. Uh, and uh, in all transparency, I've known you for a while. You've been to the Small Giants Leadership Academy, uh, been able to watch and witness a few of your transition in your leadership journey. So I want to get into all of that. I want to hear about this, this eight dimensions. Uh, but uh, you're currently president of HealthWorks. Talk a little bit about what HealthWorks does uh, and you know size, scope, that kind of thing. Oh, sure. So super excited uh, that I joined this organization somewhat recently. Um, So we are a health and wellness uh, company that we we stretch in the greater uh, tri-state areas of Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky, uh, but mainly in the greater Cincinnati area. We have full-time about uh, just under 30 employees, um, but then we've got about 75 contractors that work for us as well, too, as kind of an extension of HealthWorks. And and proudly say that those folks have worked with us, some of them as much as a couple of decades. So these folks are really tried and true and resources that we count on. Um, and, and yeah, it's been in business for, let's see, we're celebrating our 23rd um, anniversary this year. Yeah, uh, you, like you said, this is a recent transition you made. Um, you were with your prior company for quite a long time. And I think this is your, your first role um, really running a company, but the the CEO is still there. I, I believe she's the founder. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. So talk about that dynamic. You know, how did, how did you come to the decision to transition from a, another longtime role and take this exciting opportunity? And what's it like working with uh, the CEO founder of your current company? 
You know, she's fantastic. Um, so how did it, it wasn't something that just kind of, um, you know, developed overnight. So this is one of those um, relationships that we had for several years. We were sitting on a CEO roundtable together. And when I had made the decision that it was time for me to transition from my previous um, organization, I just took that opportunity. As you know, you have these trusted uh, individuals that you work with and you talk with on a regular basis and you develop relationships with. And so when I announced it to the roundtable, you know, we reached out to one another. She's like, listen, I'd love to talk to you about coming to join um, HealthWorks and what that might look like. Interestingly enough, I I did have an opportunity to, to be a business unit president with my prior place. Um, but this was really a, a different, unique opportunity because it wasn't like a subsidiary of or an operating, you know, an extension of it. It's the full organization. And so really, you know, when you get in with these folks, um, these founders, these CEOs and founders, this is like their firstborn child, right? So you you really have to understand and have this interest in a place coming from a place of curiosity of what what do you really want to do with this? What's your legacy? You know, what what beyond health works, what do you want to leave when you decide that you're no longer involved with it? Because obviously it's a transition for her to turn over the leadership. So um, it's exciting. And it's another place to deepen relationships and really get to, to, to know about people and what makes them tick. Coming into an organization like that uh, and even having that, that trusted relationship with the founder, how have you gone about in the short time you've been there building trust among the team? Well, and I think just the basic fundamental, right, Paul, you know me that trust is one of those areas. I know it's so important, um, you know, that you have to start off that way. And so I started off really the first 30 days sitting down with every employee and, you know, setting up appointments with them and really getting to know about them, you know, asking them things you know, as much as what's your favorite color or your favorite food or your favorite place to shop all the way to, you know, what motivates you? How do you learn? Um, how can I help? What's your dreams and goals? I think when you can understand and really develop some type of a connection with somebody that you can constantly circle back to, that's where the key is. And you can start unlocking and, and people really start putting that trust out there for you. Isn't it something that the kinds of things that you can build that relationship with are as simple as a favorite color or, or a fa- favorite food or something like that? That's uh, it, really true. Um, did you always aspire to, to be someone that was running a company? Uh, was that really a part of your leadership dream and something? So you took advantage of the opportunity uh, that came to you or did you always set out to have that kind of role? It was probably with me when I was pretty young, Paul, Um, you know, so growing up a large family and I knew I grew up in Detroit, the Detroit area and everyone that I knew as well as in my direct family that had a career was in the automotive industry. And so, you know, pretty much worked with the big three and I knew that that's not what I wanted to do. I'm not sure why I love cars. I think they're great, but I just, I knew that's not where I wanted to engineer is what I often knew. And I just thought, gosh, I just did not find a passion for that. And uh, pretty young. I think when people ask me, I remember as far back, probably definitely in high school, but probably junior high where I said, I knew I was an entrepreneur, maybe wanted to have my own business or certainly lead a business and help people kind of aspire to their own dreams. Wow. Well, tell me a little bit about your your folks and, and kind of the influence that they had on your life that that made it led to 
um, this very early uh, determination on your part? You know, families are so interesting. So I have a, a very large uh, Irish German Catholic family. Uh, I am the youngest of seven, and uh, we were always were in Michigan. Um, grew up raised. When I was, let's see, I think I was in fifth grade, where my father had my father had worked for one of the big three, and he had this big opportunity to go out to California. Um, and I always saw my dad. You know, my dad was one of those individuals that was. I love to write the newspaper and he'd be up at 5.30 in the morning and he always used to fold the newspaper in half vertically. So he was just reading kind of half of the columns and a, a lot of a discipline, but also I just saw a lot of passion with him wanting to just constantly build something or pursue something. And I, I would say that um, I was the second of the seven that went to college. Um, so most of them just kind of went off, got married, some of them started their own careers um, and, you know, traveled their own journeys. Um, and then to kind of the, the sixth and the seventh were the first two to go to college. Now there was others that went back older. So they got their, you know, aspired um, in their forties to get their college degrees. But, um, and, and then from there, I just knew, I said, I've got to pursue something that's going to really help me find my passion, find what I really love and help others. What about your mom? Mom was stay-at-home mom um, for the most part until, um, candidly, after a very long marriage, 34 years of marriage, my parents ended up divorcing, and then at that point was when my mom went out and um, did some work. I think she, gosh, was she in her late 50s, early 60s when she got her first kind of job, so, and she mm -hmm. went, worked for the county. She tested ears, um, hearing tests throughout the school district, um, but, you know, heart talk about hard worker, you know, to raise seven kids. Um, that's no small feat in itself. So, you, you, you know, I saw that a bit, but there was quite a diverse diversity between my age and my oldest brother is 15 years older than I am. So he was kind of gone, right, away from the house. And, they, and he moved on before I even really remember much of him and um, really kind of the first, the first three. I don't remember them being at home much. Mm. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine a mom raising seven kids. Um, my wife is recovering from surgery and we have only two kids and one at home. And, and I'm trying to be a, a decent homemaker for a week or two. And, and I'm suffering, man. This is really hard, but uh, I have great, great respect for that. I can't imagine seven. Yeah. Um, so uh, what, what about other influences in those early days in school or jobs as you got started um, in that in that Detroit area? You know, I, I always remember my dad talking about Lee Iacocca and, you know, I didn't really know much about him and I kind of went back to learn more about what was, the, you know, what was the influence of my dad and therefore why he would share it with me. And, I, and you know, you, you think back now and he really, he's got a book out that's where have all the leaders gone? And when you really look at that, the fundamentals of it are what I think probably now somebody has coined as the seven or eight C's, you know, so I know there's curiosity and creativity, um, communication, character, uh, conviction, competence. These are all characteristics that are really important for leaders um, to have. And so I would say, just listening to my dad talk about him, um, of course, he's been other leaders throughout, um, just people that I don't know, but you hear about, but then, you know, and then probably some, some really meaningful uh, managers that I've had that really, I can say learned both 
what was successful leadership and not successful leadership. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it, you have to learn both ways, what, those things that you want to be and aspire to and those things that you want to make sure you avoid and don't aspire to. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, the lessons that you've learned along the way, you know, in these adventures, these jobs, as uh, along the leadership journey, you know, we know that that learning never ends, but I, I think you've really learned a lot about integrity, commitment, trust. You know, what are some of the examples of um, where that came along the way? One lesson definitely over the years, Paul, I've learned is things just don't always turn out the way that you imagine. And so really mm-hmm. digging in and, and making the most of the situation, I think being a realist, um, from a leadership perspective, you know, you talked about trust early on in the conversation and um, Simon Sinek has this, uh, a lot of teachings around the toxic, toxic leadership and really competency and trust. And I think, you know, you can have people who are really skilled and have a high degree of competency, uh, but truly it's the ones that I have high trust in that I would pick time and time again as my first choice, maybe not younger, right, in my early leadership days, but certainly um, learning as I've grown older and with more experience that's just, you know, great leaders know that they're not expected to know everything and every part and be subject matter experts to really just surround yourself with people who are better than you, but also ones you can trust. Um, I think some lessons, other lessons I've learned is don't settle in roles that you've been, you know, maybe pigeonholed in. I think it's important to think in terms of possibilities, not limits. Mm. Um, to surround yourself with people that you know, and not think. I think you think you know, and then you know you know. Know that they're rooting for you. Know that they're really behind you. Um, and that you can really learn from anyone if you're more concerned with being interested than being interesting. Yes. You know, you, you uh, clearly are a family person yourself, a, a wife, a mother, uh, and balancing that with um, your leadership journey has had to have been challenging at times. Uh, being a woman leader, um, has that been a challenge for you along the way, or have you found that to be an asset? What's been your experience? Such an interesting question and thoughtful, and I, and I appreciate the ask. You know, some people would look at that as, oh, that's a big old landmine you don't want to jump into. Um, you know, but it's real. Uh, you know, that I, I try to always look at myself as a person, not a male or a female, but just a person and a hard worker and somebody who does have the um, qualities and convictions to those things, as you mentioned, you know, fam- family, loyalty, um, trust. But it... it the, the gender can be, uh, depending on the industry that I've been involved in, it can be harder in some more than others. Um, but I really do, every, every ounce of me is around helping people understand, you know, look at the person. It really, yes, mm-hmm. there are some attributes and some uh, experience and learnings that they bring because of whatever diversity they bring forward or, you know, ethnicity, any of that. But if we just truly can take an opportunity to say, and, and how is that different from me? And where can we learn from one another? Um, I really tried to never let that be a limiter for me. Yeah, that's a great attitude. And I don't avoid the subject, just particularly nowadays where we're talking about 
inclusion and diversity and whether, like you said, it's ethnicity or gender. I mean, it's real. And, and it's meant that people are not always treated the same way. And, and to be able to recognize that, t- talk about it and, um, and, and have the attitude that you, you do uh, is refreshing. Not everybody does. And so um, I'm glad you've been able to, um, to have that fresh attitude as you've gone along in your career. Can you think of a, uh, an unexpected learning from an unexpected source along the way? Mm, gosh, uh, I think, you know, I had a friend that introduced me not too long ago to this really wonderful establishment called DV8 Restaurant or DV8 Kitchen um, down in Lexington, Kentucky. And it's a second chance um, establishment. And, and I know that there are uh, some organizations that have done a fantastic job of being able to be really successful in that. And I would say this particular Rob Perez, this is his name, and he's done just a, a wonderful job. And to go there and have this opportunity to really, these are people, it's a small type cafe. And, you know, there's these people who you meet that, you know, a woman that it started with alcohol, but then turned to anything she could find, you know, sticking into her arm. A, a man in his 40s that had a really successful career then found himself on the streets and, and homeless and eventually turning to drugs and, you know, a misguided teenager. So all these various people in different walks of life. And I think it goes back when I think about that experience of talking to and learning from them, um, it reaffirms that lesson of things don't always turn out the way you imagine. And mm. so being able to really understand what it means to seize the day and turn the corner, you know, you can get stuck because life can throw you stuff left and right and you can choose to get stuck. But then there's times that you can say, I'm not going to get stuck here because, um, here might not be the best place that you're meant to be, right? Always aspire for that more yeah. fulfilling that next place. What's given you that resilience in your own life? You know, growing up the youngest was tough. Um, I know a lot of times people say, oh, you got everything what you wanted. That wasn't in my family by any means. I don't think I had anything but a hand-me-down until I got truly into college um, or maybe high school when I started working. Uh, I think moving was a really good uh it forced me at a young age to know um, that you have to go out there and, and put yourself out there, right? So, and take chances with things and learn new, again, that whole curiosity, interesting um, perspective. Um, and then I truly, I, I did get thrown some hard things in life um, at, a, at a younger age. So between, you know, my parents divorcing, I was still in high school when that happened. Um, and that kind of rocked your world a little bit. Um, my my last two siblings, I lost a sister and a brother. Um, my sister, I was, well, my brother, I was 25. My sister, I was 30. Um, and um, actually, my sister had the fortuity of being with her when she journeyed into her next place. She actually died in my arms. And I think, you know, uh, these things happen. And you you say to yourself, and so what impact does that have? Um, up to and including uh, my my husband has a disability was diagnosed a decade ago and so these are things again it's not what you imagine but you have to be the best mm. yeah incredible um, when you were considering going to your new opportunity 
I remember you being very passionate about what the company does and um, uh, the biometric testing, the, you know, the, the ability for consumers to take care of their own health. And that certainly helps when you're very passionate about what the company does, but you've also uh, been very focused on, on the culture and building upon that trust. Um, I, I want to talk about the, the eight dimensions of well-being because it's so uh, not only impactful for what you're doing at the company, and I want to understand why you wanted to make it a, a current state, not a future goal, but uh, I think there's great lessons to be learned by other companies in taking a similar approach. Yeah, so the eight dimensions, uh, really not unique to us, but certainly something that, uh, you know, fundamentals that we are really trying to ensure that there's just a broader awareness around it. So it's really about these, this overarching, how do you, this wholeness, right? So you used to come into work and oftentimes you'd go into work and, you know, many years ago it was oftentimes people would even not necessarily be the same person that they were when they were at home because they felt that they had to put on you know, a certain facade or, you know, be a certain way, act a certain way for fear of being judged or for fear of opportunity, um, for fear of a lot of things. And I think when you really celebrate and recognize the fact that as individuals, we have well-being that is made up of these dimensions, right? So there's the physicality, there's your physical health, um, there's your emotional health, there's your intellectual health. Um, your spiritual health, which I think people often uh, relate to uh, religiosity, and it doesn't have to be that. It, it, it can be just a sense of a higher being. Um, financial health, you know, um, environmental health, social health, and occupational health. These are the eight dimensions that really make up the overall who we are as people. And so I think being able to dive into and peel back those layers would really help things for people to understand this is really a success. And, and when you talk about employee engagement and when you talk about, um, you know, having your, your employees really feel a part of who you are and really have a strong culture, you have to recognize there's, there's a holisticness there that has to be paid attention to. From a practical standpoint, um, uh, and by the way, I think I got seven of them down. What's the eighth one? So uh, occupational, occupational, <laughs> yeah, that was that was the one I was listening. So, it, it, um, in practice, on a day to day basis, it's one thing to list those out, and they all sound right, correct. How do you live those with your team? You know, very similar to there's this practice of high performing culture, and and where you embed and and talk about and reiterate and start meetings with a reflection about your you know your core values, um, the behaviors that are really important. You can do the same type of thing where you're reinforcing it and you're encouraging it. So you bring them into your meetings, you bring them into your conversations. We've been real intentional with building out what I would say more of, you know, roadmap for each one of these areas and each mm. one of these dimensions. And so, and wanting to go at least a couple of layers in, you know, because you can be at the very cursory level then there's those that are familiar with that. And how do you really appeal to those that have a more advanced um, desire to seek out and reach a, a higher level than that? So we're, we're working on it. Um, it's, it's not something, it's certainly a work in progress, but we're, those are the ways, the means and methods that we're looking to incorporate it into who we are. So we're walking the talk. 
Do you find there's universal desire to go down this road in, in, I'm sure it creates a lot of vulnerability and genuine discussions and things that people are talking about at work that maybe they're not used to talking about at work. So has anybody pushed back on this approach or are they, are they all in? You know, I, here they're, they're very much all in. I mean, I think in other places too, I think oftentimes you have to find what's the channel, what's that point of connection? Because some people, one channel might be reading it or practicing it. Sometimes you have to find different ways of communicating it and you have to find those points of connection that does reinforce what the dimension stands for, or what you're, but it might, you have to meet people where they're at. And some people are at different levels and you've got to just learn how that, uh, it takes, it takes practice and <laughs> it takes commitment for sure. Yeah. Well, as you think about, uh, I don't know, are you a, a year into this current role yet? Uh, even, um, not quite. I'm, I'm um, eight, nine months into it. Okay. Um, so uh, I think you've had what seems to be a great transition uh, into, into this role um, and uh, been partnering well with the, the founder to, to lead the company and grow the company. What would you say uh, is one of your biggest current challenges? So we are definitely growing and scaling. And I think any time that you grow and scale and doing that, um, in a sustainable manner, uh, change management huge. You know, getting people to understand the why behind the what is always a big element. Um, but I think it's really, you know, not not having any anyone feel left behind. You know, people people have all contributed to where we're at today at at different levels. And um, I know that there's the saying that you know, there's sometimes there's people who have got you here but can't necessarily necessarily take you there. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not sure I'm totally sold on that. I, I think that you can train people up. I think it really is about that cultural alignment, and that if they are really behind those values and they are really committed to that, um, you can train some of that other skill stuff. Yeah, that's a great, a great approach to uh, have the patience to do that, and because especially when the company is growing like that, and whether it's at this company or a prior one, what's a, a really tough or humbling decision that you've had to make as a leader? Oh, and it's got to it's got to be the when you have to let someone go. So if you've eliminated a role, um, I think that should always be one of the most difficult decisions as a steward of an organization and as a leader, um, you know, that should be a tremendous amount of thought put around that, a tremendous amount of understanding. Um, that should not be taken lightly at all and, and, and certainly humbling. Um, and then I think the other really difficult decision that I've made is when it, when I've made the choice to move on, when I've, mm -hmm. when I've kind of felt like that I'm at the end of the road of, of this particular journey, but not at the end of the road, still have a lot of fire left in me. And so, you know, it's that those can be tough decisions. It's, they can be scary. You don't know what's on the other side of it. Yeah. So what have you learned about yourself around having the courage and persistence uh, along the way to make those decisions for yourself to make a change, uh, you know, a life change and take that risk? I'd like to think that I've, you know, worked on, that life is a journey, you know, it really is. And I've, I've done, I try to get better at it every year. It's always an area that I can improve on, but 
to enjoy the journey and not always about that end goal. It's not always about X number. It's not always about achieving, you know, getting to the flag at the top of the hill, but it's about the journey along the way, the people that you bring along with, um, how you can help them in their individual journeys um, and just really relish in the, the present day, not so much what's, what's five years from now, what's 10 yeah. years from now. Great perspective. So Val, what kind, what part of leadership do you feel like that you still need to improve upon? Oh, you know, I think it's going to be a good thing. Um, so I don't want to take myself too seriously ever. And I think that, you know, sometimes you get in there and you're just, it's certainly in addition to being culture minded and, and resilient and all those things, I'm a hard driver. And so sometimes it's this balance and I, I just want to make sure that I'm never taking myself too seriously. Yeah, that's a great one. You reminded me of my mom who used to always had to remind me to smile. <laughs> she just she just said, don't don't forget to smile. You're always so serious. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good one. It takes time, effort, but um, but it makes a big impression, too, on others when you can learn that and do that well. Um, and 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 lastly, Val, what kind of advice would you give to someone else that's, you know, younger, just starting out in their career? You, you've had lots of transitions. I, I, I have a feeling that, um, that this isn't the end of your journey by any stretch and, and you're going to keep accomplishing more. Um, what kind of advice would you give to a younger person starting out? I thank you for your confidence in that. I would think, you know, I identify your why, know your why. Um, and I don't know, especially in, I watch the young ones these days, um, the younger generation, they move super quick, um, you know, so very fortunate. I truly believe this. I was fortunate I did not grow up with social media and all these other influencing pieces. And I think if you really search as to why, why do you enjoy certain activities? You know, why do you stand for what you stand for? Why do you look up to certain people? Why do you have fun doing those things? Those, if you can really hone into your why, that's going to be a big key for, for your success in life. You'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, and I, I think it's okay to keep looking until you find it. And, and um, you know, they say that some of the younger generation moves, moves too quickly to uh, the next opportunity or they're fickle. And I think it's great, you know, I mean, keep going until you find it because how are you going to know until you experience it? And uh, so it, it's, you also have to have patience because knowing your why I mean, I don't know if I know mine yet, but, but I was probably in my, you know, thirties or forties when I tried kind of figured it out. So it, it takes a while to get there. Yeah, it does. <laughs> well, uh, there's so much more I know for you, Val. It's been great to be a part of your journey, uh, your leadership journey in particular. Um, and you are someone who definitely uh, has the courage to make big decisions, but do it with great humility and compassion. And uh, that's something all of us can learn from. Uh, I, I want to end on these five quick hit questions like the association game, just kind of name the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, how about the name of a leader that you look up to? Oh, let's see. Those I don't know. Uh, personally, I know I would say Maya Angelou or Anne Frank, um, an individual that I personally know. His name is Kevin McPherson. Oh, all right. And how about a great book that influenced your leadership style? Uh, leadership style, uh, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. Mm, okay, good one. 
What's your all-time favorite movie? I have two, um, and I know, how can you have all-time favorites? But they're for different reasons, both very creative, but Mr. Holland's Opus is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's a good one. And uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, classic. All right, yeah. very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and how about a favorite TV series you like to binge watch? Oh, such a guilty pleasure, but not often. Um, so, gosh, um, TV. That, that can that be like Netflix on TV? It's got to be TV. Uh, that doesn't probably, that, yeah, something like that, though. You know, crazy. Let's, let's see. TV, I'll go with Friends. Yeah, or, or yeah, probably Friends. I think that's a good one. Yeah, that's a great one. And lastly, what's something about you that many people don't know? Oh, I'm pretty open book, huh? Paul. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that people would know, not know anything about me. I, I really try to, gosh, transparently. Oh, uh, let's see. I, I, I moved 14 times in eight years. Oh, my gosh. And that's a, that's a big family to move. Yeah, well, not always with my family. So sometimes okay. I just be by myself. But yeah, 14 times in eight years. I got my I got myself down to uh, 29 boxes that I could move myself. And get oh. Place, so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, um, it, it's been great to hear your story. Uh, uh, I want to reflect a little bit, Val, on, on what I've learned listening to you today. I've learned new things about you um, that just really impressed me. And, and I like even just how you as you transitioned to HealthWorks, the, the first thing you did was that um, you built trust by getting to know your employees. That just says a lot about you uh, and how you operate in life and is a great lesson for everyone. Um, you certainly had influences from your family growing up in Detroit, being the youngest of seven, um, and, and had designs very early on in your life that you wanted to own a business or be a part of a business. Um, just watching what your family did. You learned that the hard work and discipline from your dad. Uh, I picture the same thing as you were talking about my dad uh, reading the paper and just being so well read. Um, as a matter of fact, my dad is uh, 94 and, and we're both reading the same book together so we can talk about it. And, oh, and, uh, and yeah, and he is just so well read. And that, that um, is a big lesson I learned from him um, and a lot of lessons from your mom, not just the fact that, that, you know, they went through a divorce, but what it was like um, to raise seven children uh, like she did, and then start a career later in her life. Um, there's a, there's a lot, a great example there. Um, as you, you talked about your dad um, and referencing Leah Iacocca and right away, I could picture his book and his big, his head on that book, you know, the, 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 when, um, so I, uh, I remember those days very well of Lee Iacocca and that the leadership lessons uh, that he shared with all of us. Um, I think something you said was really important that things don't always turn out the way you imagine. And yet, you know, seize the day, turn the corner. It's going to be okay. You know, we're all going to be disappointed at times, uh, but we can learn from it, take opportunity and continue that journey to think about the possibilities, not just the, the limits. Um, you know, you've been challenged a lot in, in your life by changing locations, changing jobs, um, uh, unfortunately lost two siblings. I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, but all that has shaped you into who you are today. Uh, I love the eight dimensions. And I think that if, uh, as I've always said, there's really no 
difference between uh, work and home. It's just, it's just life. And, and to be able to address all eight physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, financial, environmental, social, occupational, it's all something that in one way or another, we can be open about and address. And that's how, to me, you build loyalty, loyalty, you build employee engagement is to show people that it's okay to address all those you care about all those. And if you help people along that path, they're going to do uh, great work uh, with you uh, along the way. Um, and uh, that while growing, you know, you've really tried now as the business is growing and is challenged with that to bring people along the way. You don't want to leave anybody behind. That's, that's really great um, to the extent that you can train people to get the extra skills that are going to be required to help the the, the company to, to continue to thrive. Um, and, and clearly you're so you're someone who's enjoyed the journey. And like you said, it's not about the flag on the Hill. It's just the journey along the way. Um, you want to be able to not take yourself as seriously um, and which you'll be working on forever, just like I'm working on it. And, um, and I loved your advice for young people, which is to identify your why and, and, and you did that by asking a whole bunch of questions. And that's, that's what it takes. I've got teenagers and, and, and there are ways away from figuring that out. Um, and I'm going to share your advice with them. So um, I, I look forward to continuing to watch your journey, Val. And I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Uh, well, thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. So, boy, you were really engaged in that. You, you got just about everything I said. So I, I, I appreciate your just willingness to hear my story. And, and um, I, I appreciate your friendship. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about purpose-driven leadership, go to smallgiants.org or follow us on Twitter at Small Giants Buzz. Until next time. <laughs>